Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 is underway from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Thursday edition. Trey Wallace joins us in 20 minutes. All of the SEC headlines, news, and notes to get you ready for the kickoff on Saturday. We've got Armando Salguero, also of Outkick.com. He'll join us in hour number two. We'll get into NFL discussion and go through the biggest storylines and topics. And in an hour from now, Michael McHenry joins us. We'll preview the Major League Baseball playoff with the former Major League catcher. And uh, he's bringing some news and notes on Shohei Otani after he had the walk-off and finishes the season yesterday. We, uh, we dive into the headlines. Gentlemen, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Excited about a big show today. Good guest list and uh, a lot of football talk, which we, yeah. we major in football talk every day on this show. I'm in day of the week confusion again. I feel like it's Friday, so I'm in for a surprise. But uh, What leads you to, to uh, feel that way? I don't today. know. I don't know. Sometimes there's an excuse, like when uh, Monday Night Football screws things up or COVID, but this has been a normal week, and uh, I feel very Friday-ish. Every day felt the same during COVID. Yeah, during, during COVID, Friday was the only day that felt different because <laughs> I, I was here. There actually was an afternoon soccer game on one day that felt a little bit different. Uh, other than that, that, that was your change-up? Yeah, that was, my, that was my big change-up no. during those four days. Well, I slept um, through most of it. Uh, Chad, your week's been thrown off recently because you're not having games every night, right? Yeah, we've got is a nice little two-week break. Oh, until the, break. Uh, it's, it's the two-week break. break until it gets cold, and then they're going to start the playoffs. There's, yeah, there's two separate the fall breaks I think they're taking into account for this uh, with d- different kids When's in different yours? counties that play in this league. Mine is next week for, for my daughter's school. Ours as well. So, yeah, the, we're going to get back in the swing of things with so a nice little walkthrough. Right before the game, maybe the day before, night before. I don't want to do anything too far in advance. I think one practice the day before we play on a Wednesday uh, to start the tournament. I I'm think that'll li- suffice. I'm a little over a week away from having a teenager in the house. Well, there nice. you go. How about that? It's big that time. tells you we're getting old. That is big time. What's I'm the, still six years away idea? from that. What's the big gift idea? Well, we're going to be out of town for uh, the bye falling on his birthday, which is so, somewhat of a miracle. But he's got a long list. He's a big sneakerhead. I, I don't really know where that came from. And I'm fine with him being a sneakerhead once his feet stop growing. Yeah. <laughs> but, but as a 13-year-old, that's prime time for your feet yeah. to grow a lot. Yeah. So getting a couple pair of sneakers for your birthday is kind of ridiculous. Um, but that would be his biggest wish. Does he wear the, the sneakers for, for all occasions? Is, are these worn to school with his clothes, or does he mix it up? He mixes it up. I mean, okay. he, it, it, Crocs are big uh, with kids his age. I don't know what he's allowed to wear to school, when, or whatever. But we have running lists in our shared notes, and just every once in a while I get a notification that pops up. There's like a little... Uh, package with a ribbon on it, uh, emoji that goes with it. Simon 
with a oh, box, gift idea, a gift idea, and he's springing things in there. And most of the time, I go look; it's a different pair of sneakers. And then once in a while, he shows me, and they're very handsome shoes. I'm like, just get your feet to stop growing. Yeah, well, let's let's do this when you're 17. Right, I'm I'm all for it. Like, if that's what you want when you're 17, cool. We'll How get much, you. What's the uh, what's the price on shoes for kids compared to adults? Well, the shoes Is it like that, twenty dollars less. I remember like, when I was a kid, down? if it was, if something was a hundred dollars, it you might as well have been a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. But like the new Jordans were a hundred and fifteen dollars, and that was a huge deal. I I so don't I don't know I don't look at what the oh, adult version of these shoes I don't I'm not looking at what the adult version of these shoes are I do think he edits himself and I think most of these are between like one twenty five one seventy five okay but yeah. at least he's, he's doing that he's, for you I, I mean he shows me once in a while look at these these are like three hundred dollars but he doesn't put them on the list um, tonight <laughs> just oh, trying to see what you're gonna say look at these three hundred dollars shoes just to, how cool are these putting yeah. the chum and in the I water say, a little yeah. bit and if you come back and say you know, that, that actually might be worth yeah, 330 someday when you're working and your feet stop growing yeah. that's something you could buy yourself uh, Colts Broncos what am I missing here to think that the Colts can go on the road and win this game because I, I the Broncos horribleness yeah, but I mean, this, I mean, that's the only thing that that makes it in play, I, and the fact that whenever we say there's a game that's a guarantee, something can go wrong because it's the NFL. That's all. That's I, all. I no, Jonathan Taylor, which means it's more on the passing game for Indy. I like Denver's secondary. I like Denver's defense. Matt Ryan's a turnover machine. Short week, travel week for them. This, this, I'm reading a column. Last night, someone from Indianapolis was saying this is a must-win for both teams, where the the winner comes out thinking, "Oh, we're we're still okay. alive somewhat." The other one is really you know, back against the wall and thinking, "Man, this is this is not going to turn turn around anytime soon." I, I, I is Denver only got one win? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're both bad teams, which could make it a good game. Um, but I, I would feel the same way if you come out of this with one win. I know the the Colts would have a tie on top of that. You're, you're, it's an AFC loss, also. You're in bad shape. I'm with you. I, I would think Denver would win the game, but I won't be utterly surprised um, if they don't because I I really am down on Denver almost as much as I'm oh, down on the Colts. Short week though, home they have two games. Wins. Yeah, so the Broncos are two and two. I, I forgot that they they won the game against San Francisco. I thought they lost that game by a point. They won eleven to ten. And they beat the Raiders. No, they beat the Texans. They Texans. lost to the Raiders last yeah, week, so and then they lost Week One to Seattle. So, yeah. but they're not scoring. These are awful offenses. Their defenses are really good scoring wise. Um, you know, Indy's middle of the pack. Denver's up there so there's your reason it's desperation for the colts it's not as desperate for for denver i'm just, just being devil's advocate painting you reasons why yeah, it could yeah. happen i've I seen a lot like, of people uh, pick indy there's a good amount of desperation Always. on both sides yeah i i think there's both teams should be desperate tonight quite frankly they should yeah. feel desperate in this game because if you're denver you're looking at indy limping in here without their star player how do you not play this game with urgency and desperation the way you've looked so far. You're a laughing stock offensively. You've got Eli Manning making jokes about the punter deserving more money than your quarterback. Geno Smith is out playing Russell Wilson right now in Denver. I mean, this is this is serious time and, for them, too. And now he has a shoulder issue. I, I, think, uh, I think Denver's going to roll in this game. I know we're going to make picks later, but I, I don't see it with the Colts right now. I haven't seen it with Denver either, but I, I don't think the Colts are rallying in this one. A total of twenty-three of the NFL's thirty-two teams are three and one or two and two. 
entering week five. It's pretty remarkable. Broncos are one of them, though. You know, like, we don't think they're that good, but they're in this pack of just, it's either mediocrity or average teams, and there are even some maybe three-and-one teams that we're not really believing in constantly, right? Like Based on how they got there. Yes, but and they're there. They've set themselves up now where, you know, Tom Brady had the, the quote, it was either this morning or yesterday, <laughs> Where he said, you know, what, looking around the league, I see a lot of bad football. Like he was asked about all the teams being two and two. He's like, I see a lot of bad football. You know, mistakes, penalties, uh, uh, very average play. Like it's it's sloppy. And you know, part of that is he's saying that on his team's behalf, right? But he's also saying now the real season begins because the, the, no one plays anybody in the preseason. And you start working things out, especially if you're bringing in new guys, new quarterbacks, new play callers. You, you start figuring things out with your rookies and your newcomers over the first four, three, four games. I know he's, Bill Polian subscribes he's to He's finding some comfort here in that other teams are looking like his team in terms of the uncertainty and, yeah. and the sloppiness. The other thing is we expected – I hadn't thought of this. We expected this in the COVID season when there was no preseason. We didn't get it. You're right. And now we had offense a preseason and we are getting it. And now offense is down. Yeah. You're right. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I, I like that he didn't just let it off the hook as, oh, there's so many strong teams out there. And that's why you have well, so many two and two is. teams. He, he like had the right. opposite. Just a lot of bad football being played by a lot of teams. When he, when he turns on and watches football, it there's a lot of bad football. It does not feel like that's what it is. A lot of good teams. Because I think I think teams that we thought were going to be pretty good are are not part of it. Uh, even their wins have not been particularly part of it too. Though right? is I, I, at least I think just a scheduling quirk where you've had yeah. certain teams meet up with other bad teams and you've kind of evened things out uh, in 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 the middle a bit. Um, you know, at, at least that's how I see it. And, and you've had good teams that have lost to some really. Bad rosters. Or I, I like still don't if, think that the Giants are able to hold up over the course of the season. No. And Jacksonville may be ready to explode, and they wound up going to Philly. You know, what if Jacksonville's schedule flipped around where they went somewhere bad yeah. instead of to the best team in the league uh, in, in week four? We'd be talking about them maybe in a different way. Speaking of Jacksonville, I, I am curious how Trevor Lawrence responds from four fumbles in that game against the Eagles. Is this going to be just a blip on the radar and he's going to get back to progressing into the quarterback he was drafted to be? Or is this going to start some sort of early season well, decline in, with Trevor Lawrence? They're hosting Houston. I mean, that's, that's a, good medicine. Should be a gimme. Uh, they, when's the last time they were fired? I think they're favored seven and a half. When's the last time Jacksonville was favored it, by seven and a half? Well, I don't know about the, the opener last itself, year. But they, they, they were, were favored. favored. I mean, the only team prior to the season that was not favored was Houston in all in every game by Vegas. Jacksonville's favored twice to open the season, both times against Houston. Yeah, but not seven. I'm guessing it wasn't close to seven and a half. They opened there last yeah. year um, because they wanted one of those teams to get a win right out of the gate. Um, but I doubt it was seven and a half. And there's a 14 and a half point spread. Yeah, Steelers and Bills. This week. That's a lot of points to lay. Steelers and Bills, I've got a note on that. One big thing on every NFL game on how, how we have not seen that from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. It's has to have been. It's forever. quite the gap. Were they uh, giving point spreads when the Steelers <laughs> were bad <laughs> I, enough to I, be? I heard this stat earlier this week and it blew my mind. So can't wait till you reveal it later in the show. Um, 
we've got Trey Wallace coming up, so I'll, I'll save part of this discussion for, for our chat with him. But this feels like deja vu to me with Alabama, Texas A&M. We went to College Station last year. The, the spread was somewhere between 17 and 21 points, give or take, where, when you looked at it during the week. I'm find it. I'm, I'm uh, they had you. lost two games. They had just lost to Mississippi State. They are on their backup quarterback. Their offense didn't have a lead running back. Jimbo Fisher was facing questions but also has a major contract. They're recruiting well, but those players aren't there at the time. Now they're there but not helping and they've got more coming in. I'm seeing 18. And here year. is Alabama, where everyone's expecting them to do great things, except this time, instead of having the questions about Bryce Young and you know what they had done prior to that game, which was they, they were able to uh, win in Gainesville, what was a classic game where Florida had them and then didn't, and everyone's thinking, oh, this is Bryce Young on his way to the Heisman and on their way to an unbeaten season. And we know Bryce Young, he ends up winning the Heisman. But Texas A&M's defense was not given enough credit going into that game. And now, if Bryce Young's not able to play, this is all about stopping Alabama's run game. And A&M can do that. This, uh, this is a weird game. Like it was, it, I said the Texas, when, when Alabama went to Texas, I said that this feels like the same respect we gave A&M last year, which was not much. And then Texas got up and played well for that game former coach with Saban. We know the history there. And we know how Jimbo Fisher tends to coach well against Alabama and against Saban teams. And I wonder, I mean, it took a perfect game from A&M last year where they had a kickoff return. You know, they had some special teams miscues. Alabama turned the football over. Um, they, they had some, some big pass rushes on some critical downs against Bryce Young. They forced things into overtime, and then we know what happened. So I'm... Everything had to go and follow a perfect storyline. But it wasn't the blowout that everyone expected. And I think we are overlooking this game as being a quality game yet again. Paul, I, I've got 18 from last yeah. year also. So 24-point favorite. It was 18 a year ago. So a bigger spread. It's also in Tuscaloosa mm -hmm. and not on the road. So that's really the difference in it. So it's very similar. I, I mean, I think a lot of similar circumstances you're talking about, Hutton. Here's the big surprise to me. In that Kentucky-South Carolina game, with Will Levis likely out, yep. that line went from 12 to 6 quickly. Kentucky only favored by 6 at home against South Carolina. With Bryce Young, the defending Heisman Trophy winner, possibly out of this game, that's still a 24-point line. So that's Vegas right now saying, even with the chance that it's the backup quarterback Milrow for Alabama, we still think it's a 24-point spread. And I do agree that while Alabama, I believe, will win this game and win it going away, if it becomes just a straight-up running attack, rushing attack for Alabama with a backup quarterback, that does play into A&M's strengths. Now, on the other side, Bama's got a really good defense, and A&M is terrible on offense. A&M, can they score? They scored 31 against Sam Houston State. They scored 14 against App State. They scored... 17 against Miami, who lost to middle. Mm -hmm. They scored 23 against Arkansas. They scored 24 against Mississippi State. Scoring in this range isn't going to beat Alabama. They need uh, a new offense. Stopped. I mean, I, it's time for Jimbo Fisher to admit that what he does isn't working and go hire some 
young whippersnapper offensive coordinator that's going to come and run something that we see other programs that are, are having success yeah. with offense running because his, I mean, his system they only is have, not working. They at only A&M. have 12 offensive touchdowns. But again, like in that game last year, they were, a, they were not you know, starstruck with, oh, look at the, the spread here. No one's expecting us to win. We're, we just lost to Mississippi State, and now we're, you know. I, I didn't see that. We, well, in, at that time, they had just, you know, what, two or three weeks earlier, they lost their starting quarterback, Haynes yeah. King, which is not a non-factor this year. Point being, their defense and their special teams played a big role in that win. And I haven't, I'm trying not to overlook what happened last year. And I also want to give Alabama credit because I think they have a better running back with Gibbs than they did with Robinson, quite frankly. And, you know, Milrow, while the pressure will be on him because he knows this week he's the starter, whereas last, year, last week he's coming off the bench, I, I mean, Vegas is telling you they, they trust him quite a bit against what A&M is capable of. And they're also saying, Paul, to your point, all Alabama needs to do here is put up, you know, three 20, touchdowns probably. 24 or so, but they're favored by three. Three touchdowns, I'm right. saying. So, like, you get that gap. You're saying that they're going to really blow the roof off of this game. And I don't know if that happens. I think Michigan is at Indiana this weekend. Yes, yes. they are. But they are a 22-and-a-half-point favorite. And Bama's a 24-point favorite over A&M. Yeah. That's an Indiana team that just lost by two touchdowns to Nebraska, who had to fire their coach. So that's showing you right now sort of the disrespect of how A&M is viewed. Yeah, and A&M and has And hey, they've earned that. They've sure, earned that no. level of disrespect with their offense so far. Yeah. I mean, we, we were joking with Billy Lucci the morning of Outkick the Tailgate there, and we're like, well, we're here. You know, what's this going to be like tonight? You know? And he said, hey, don't sleep on this. Like, he, he didn't pick them to win. But he was like, I think they're going to play better than what you've seen. We have not seen a good A&M team uh, offensively or defensively, especially against the run. They, I mean, they've, they've been okay, but in certain games, they have been gashed. Appalachian State comes to mind where that has skewed the stats a bit. But, I mean, if Alabama's leaning on the run, can they break it open? If they do, then that's just not on the A&M offense. That's the A&M defense, which they've been able to lean on in past years in big moments. Following Billy Lucci on Twitter after the yeah. loss to Mississippi State, before the game, he was say, someone was saying, here's what it would cost to fire Jimbo Fisher after this year. By the way, now the stat's out. He has the exact same record after 53 games as Kevin Sumlin. Yep. Jimbo Fisher and Kevin Sumlin are the same record. But Billy dismissed it, said he's not getting fired this year or next year. There's no way with the contract and the investment into him. And then after the game when they got blown out, I saw someone post, talk to a number of big donors at A&M. They're ready to mount up the money to get rid of Jimbo Fisher. And Billy Lucci acknowledged he was hearing the same things from big money people. But he said, this is emotion talking tonight. Let's wake up tomorrow and see what the talk is about it. Emotion is usually of, what There's does a lot these of things. emotional people now <laughs> saying, I'm, I'm well, ready. I'm ready to make a donation to get rid of this. And this is one of those games where, you know, if Alabama doubles the spread, the emotion the will emotion speak. will hold over it's to also, Sunday and Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. Think about the emotional response from Jimbo Fisher to Nick Saban and his comments about them buying players and then to go in there and get waylaid. After doing that, that is not going to sit well with anyone in, in Aggie land. We will we will discuss that game plus Tennessee, LSU, and much more. Trey Wallace is around the corner. We have a loaded rundown, but there is a chance this show takes a turn into the episode of Breaking Bad that's all about killing the fly. 
Oh, there is a fly in the studio there's, as well. There's yeah. a fly. Matt's it's, on that. It's gotten all over. Matt's on that. He's sitting over there with his yeah. legs crossed. Well, we need the fly over there for Matt. <laughs> Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-LifeScience.com is where you can see more information and as an Outkick 360 season ticket holder, you receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360 at checkout. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed, but here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, and that ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. I use the vitamin C, vitamin D3, and glutathione each day from VitalLifeScience.com and Aurora. Uh, you can too. They, they offer so many more to choose from. VitaLifeScience.com is the website for more info. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. That's Vita. V-I-D-A. VitaLifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Trey Wallace from Outkick.com with us on Outkick 360. Uh, Chad, as we went to break, we had the discussion of Alabama and Texas A&M, and then during the commercial break, a report about a broken hand for Max Johnson. Ian Fitzsimmons of ESPN Radio tweets, I am told Texas A&M quarterback Max Johnson has a broken bone in his throwing hand. Sadly, he might be done for the season, at least the foreseeable future. Trey, um, if this is true... That certainly makes things even more difficult for Texas A&M as they get ready to go to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I was I was texting with some folks in the last hour, and it doesn't look good for Max Johnson. I mean, you can you can try to put this thing off long term. I mean, you don't want to rush this back. I mean, the the kids, you know, potentially got a a long future in Aggie Land, but yeah, it, it now you, now now Jimbo has Haynes King. And that's who he just has to roll with, period, uh, going into this. And we'll see what the third-string quarterback situation looks like. But for a game, Chad, that, man, from SEC spring meetings to media day to before the season to now we sit here in the second weekend of October, 
And this is not one of the top three games, in my opinion, in the country this weekend, and probably the third most important game in the SEC this weekend. And it's it's mind-blowing to where we went from Jimbo and Nick and a cage match to now you're not hearing much about Texas A&M this week, and the only news you did get was their quarterback might be out for the year. Yeah, what you hear about A&M are you know, deep-pocketed boosters trying to get the money together and rally enough to just pay Jimbo off that enormous sum that he would be owed if, if they fired him. It, it has taken a turn quickly, no doubt about it. Here, here's the thing, though. Um, this is the win that Brian Harson needed last year, and he couldn't get it. And as bad of a start as A&M was off to last year, they got this one. Uh, a great performance on Saturday can change the, the opinion of many emotional boosters in College Station yet again. It, this one means a lot. But, but what is a good performance? I mean, do, do you, are we honestly thinking Texas A&M, the way that we've seen them play th- this year, is going to go into Tuscaloosa and, and, and beat Alabama? Like, I think if healthy performance or, or health of the program in general is you don't go get blown out by 24. Take this game to the fourth quarter somehow, maybe lose by 10 points, something along that line, you know, late in the game, you know, Alabama scores a touchdown and puts it away. Like that's a healthy win for AM. But right now, I mean, you guys talked about it earlier. You're talking about the point spread. Yeah. I mean, with everything going on with Bryce and now with Max Johnson out, I bet that point spread jumps up to 29 in the next, you know, few hours. So I'm just I, I I look at this game, and I really, honestly, I was driving through Tuscaloosa yesterday, and I thought to myself, I can't believe I'm not stopping here to cover this game, and I'm going to Baton Rouge to cover Tennessee and LSU. I wouldn't have thought that if you'd asked me that before the season started. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that game because uh, I'll have my top 10 games of the week tomorrow for the show, but I'll go ahead and spoil it. That's my number one game in the country not just in the SEC, but it's Tennessee at LSU. And my oh my, how perception of a game can change because this went from, to me, one of three sort of big, pivotal coin toss games for Tennessee to people nationally referring to this as a possible trap game for Tennessee (laughs) on the road in Baton Rouge against a top 25 LSU team, which I laugh at and think it's not a trap. They're only a three-point favorite on the road. It's going to be a big win for one of these teams in a very close game. But, Trey, that's where you are this weekend for OutKick. What do you make now of the buildup to this game and what we've seen so far from both these teams? It's crazy to think that, you know, we're five weeks into the season and this is a potential trap game for Tennessee and Baton Rouge in a game that, you know, if you'd asked me before the season, hey, man, you know, you, you think this one's going to be a big game with implications? I've been like, well, I don't know about implications, but I mean, yeah, it could be a decent big game. We'll see. Um, I'm sure CBS is like, well, damn, I cannot believe we decided to go with AM and in Alabama over this one. But I I look at this game and the build up to it, the conversations in, in Death Valley here in Baton Rouge right now, you know, they're they're under the impression that that they can beat Tennessee, which they can. Um, I, I think when you look at the volunteers, the biggest thing that to me that they have gone for them is they've already played a game without Cedric Tillman. They already know what they can get out of Ramel Keaton or Jalen Hyatt or Brew McCoy, because the fact that we 
most likely will not see Cedric Tillman on Saturday unless his ankle just all of a sudden miraculously recovers on game day. Um, I, I I think that you're going to see Hendon Hooker have to rely on others, which which is a good thing that he already had to do that against Florida. I I look at LSU, and you go back to last weekend. You know they they stole that game away from Auburn once momentum was just taken. I mean they score 14 points to end the first half. They come out they had five yards passing in the second half and still left Auburn with a win. Like, that is the craziest stat I've seen so far this season in the SEC. Um, but the buildup is there's a lot of hype. There's a lot of LSU fans that think, okay, let's get this thing, you know, continue it rolling. I know we dropped the first game of the year, but look what we've done since. This could be a catapult type of game, Jaden Daniels. And then you look at Tennessee, and you run into a little bit of a, a situation. Every Tennessee fan I get, they're looking forward to the LSU game and, and potentially winning in Baton Rouge. But the other one is you got a massive game coming next week against Alabama. And I don't want to say people are looking ahead, but being in Knoxville this week, it was crazy to notice the amount of talk about Alabama compared to LSU. And that's what should worry, I think, potentially some fans heading into this game. Trey Wallace with us from Outkick.com uh, in Baton Rouge. Uh, Trey, you're, if A&M and Bama is number three on your list for this weekend in the conference, what's number two behind Tennessee and LSU? I'm going to go Arkansas, Mississippi State. I was, I'm to be honest with you, the news came across late last night when I got halfway from Knoxville to Baton Rouge about Will Levis. I might have thrown that game in there, but I'm going to stick with Arkansas-Mississippi State for right now. Uh, Just because Arkansas has now lost two in a row, you got a Mississippi State team coming off a very nice win over Texas A&M where Will Rogers was slinging it around the field. The defense was playing really well. You know, Mississippi State could be that sleeper of a team in the SEC West if they get things going on offense. So, to me, that game stands out because we don't know what's going to go on with K.J. Jefferson. Um, if he's going to be a full go on Saturday. And Arkansas has problems right now. So I, I look at what Mississippi State and crazy Mike Leach is doing, and I love it. And, and, and being able to see what that offense is capable of over the last couple of weeks, you get an Arkansas team that is taking some shots to the head with these two losses. I, I just wonder how they respond going on the road to Starkville. Kansas, obviously, at a high point right now. We know odds are it's going to tail off here. What has Lance Leopold done for himself as a candidate for these open jobs, and and is it going to sustain as Kansas maybe comes back to earth? When are they going to come back to earth? What if they, <laughs> they win this? All right. They win this College football playoff, baby. Here we go. Rock chalk. Let's go. make it happen. Going to the Orange Bowl. Um, no, I, I look. Strike while the iron's hot. That's what you have to do if you're Lance. And and that's why you've seen talk of Nebraska, Wisconsin. I don't think I, I honestly don't know if he ends up back at Wisconsin. I that's that's walking into a job where expectations are going to be right here immediately because of your past. Um I I, I think that you look at it overall and what they've been able to do. Credit to Kansas. Like, we're talking about Kansas football 
on a Thursday afternoon. And and for them selling out their stadium three times in a row, um, you're it reminds me of something. It reminds me, this is a weird correlation, but it reminds me of what Bruce Pearl did for Tennessee basketball during his time to what Lance is doing with Kansas football. He's bringing life to the program, and I think that he's going to sustain that. If they win this weekend, I mean, that's five. Uh, if we really break it down, let's just say they lose three along the rest of the way, you know, something along those potential nice bowl game. But I don't think he is going to be the head coach at Kansas next year. I think he has to strike while the iron's hot because I say that because of this. Look what's happened at Matt Campbell to Matt Campbell at Iowa State. He has lost a good amount of games over the last two years when his name was the hot commodity. I think in college football now with expansion, with the Big Ten, the SEC, and other conferences, you've got to get the next big job and somewhere where you're going to end up in the future. And I think that's what we'll see out of Lance. What really sucks for Kansas, this is going to be awesome. This run's been incredible. Everybody's behind them. College game day is going to be there for the first time ever. But their coach is going to leave after this year, and odds are high that they go right back to being the worst team in the Power Five immediately with the next coach because that's what the history of Kansas football has shown us time and time again. And I hate to be that real with any Kansas fans that may be watching or listening right now, but that that's the reality. You brought up the Bruce Pearl comparison. Tennessee was only a few years removed from the Sweet 16 under Jerry Green, you know, before Buzz Peterson got there when, when Bruce Pearl took over. That's a basketball program with some really good history. Kansas has nothing in the last 30, 40 years other than a, a, a shooting star with Mark Mangino and this one year with Lance Leipold. Um, I want to go to another program. Wait a minute, Chad, Chad, you forgot about Les Miles. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Charlie Weiss also. <laughs> the Charlie Weiss era was really a golden time for the Jayhawks. Um, another, another program historically bereft of success is Vanderbilt. Uh, I've got an off-the-wall sleeper close game for you this weekend. Vandy gave Ole Miss all they wanted a year ago in Oxford. Covered the spread easily. Lost by only 14 points. Ole Miss is only a 17-point favorite in Nashville this weekend against Vanderbilt. This is a sleepy 3 p.m. SEC Network game. You've already got Lane Kiffin talking about the lack of bodies at his own stadium. Well, get ready. Buckle up because you're really going to have to supercharge your team to get excited about this terrible atmosphere he's about to walk into. Um, I think Vandy is going to keep this thing close. Am I crazy? Yes, I'm actually writing my prediction piece right now. And and in my opinion, I I think that, you know, this is a 10-point – I was about to say basketball game. This is a 10-point football game. Um, It may also be a 10-point basketball uh, game when Kermit Davis brings his team to Nashville (laughs) for this one. So you can just write that that article again for basketball season. There you go. No, I I like it. I I actually do. I like – because I like what A.J. Swan has done at quarterback. Um, We'll see how healthy Ole Miss is. Coming off that gritty game against Kentucky, Zach Evans didn't play a lot with that hit pointer. I think if my memory serves correct, he only had four carries in that football game. Um, you know what does LSU look like? I mean, they're gonna they're gonna have to create their own atmosphere with their own fans. I mean, they'll travel. They'll have probably ten, fifteen thousand Ole Miss fans in Nashville this weekend. But I still think this is a type of game where where Ole Miss can can play gritty, can have a nice performance. I'm, in a sense of what they're expected to do. Because Vanderbilt, in my opinion, 
is a team that can throw the football behind A.J. Swan. And if they catch Ole Miss's secondary sleeping, like what happened a couple times last weekend against Kentucky, maybe Vanderbilt can get a couple touchdowns on the board and we keep this thing close, and and you never know. That is a nice sleeper of a game. I thought you were going to go with the Lexington one, but I like that you ended it up in Nashville. Trey, uh, Georgia and Auburn, if Georgia doesn't dominate this game, what is the storyline like next week? And from Auburn's perspective, the storyline's always going to be, is this the week that Brian Harson gets canned? And for me to not lean into that this weekend, Tank Bigsby's got to get going. He hasn't rushed for more than 51 yards in each of the last four games. Um, and we're talking about, uh, he rushed for 45 against LSU last week. He's a guy that, that rushed for 1,100 yards last year, and he's been a complete non-factor for the Auburn offense. And do you buy into the storylines that Georgia will be ultra-focused as they take on the Tigers? You know, you asked me last week to preview the South Carolina game that was about to kick off while we were on the air. I'm going to go ahead and give you a game synopsis for this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stetson, Bennett, Stetson Bennett's going to have about 280 yards. He's going to have three touchdowns. Georgia's going to have about 160 on the ground with another three touchdowns. Tank Bigsby's going to be held to under 100 yards rushing. Maybe he sneaks one in at the end of the fourth quarter and gets his one touchdown on the board. And then we're going to come Monday and – Brian Harson's going to have to answer questions again for one more week until they get by Ole Miss, and then the bye week is going to happen, and Auburn will no longer have a head coach, an interim will be named, and this will all come to an end. There's your synopsis. George is probably going to win. I'm going to say 41, let's just go 41-20, Georgia beats Auburn on Saturday. So I I think we should do this every week. Line him up again I, I, every week, Trey. We should have you give the this the the post game AP wrap up of the game before the game happens like with it. your prediction. Last week, last week for those that missed it was Trey had mentioned he was going to watch South Carolina and South Carolina State, and I said there's no need to watch this game. Let's pretend it's tomorrow. And yep. Trey, here tell us what you learned from the Gamecocks win uh, on Thursday night and. You crushed it. I mean, basically everything you said, I mean, they padded their stats. South Carolina stats look way better today than they did last week, Trey, because of their performance against South Carolina State. It's uh, and because of me putting that yeah, into the air. Yeah, we could have penciled them. We, we did pencil them in. You can write them in. You're like a wizard. It's marvelous. It's it's perfect. I, I love it. Um, so Kentucky, South Carolina. I do want to ask you about this one. Yeah. I don't know anything about Kaya Sharon. I don't even know if I pronounced that name correctly. But that's the Kentucky backup quarterback that's going to start if Will Levis can't go, which it looks like he can't in this game, does that give South Carolina a good shot at going to Lexington? And really, Trey, I think changing the complexion of Kentucky's season if they lose at home to South Carolina in this game Saturday night. You talk about changing like the complexion of Kentucky's season, man, it would flip the switch for South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, it, if you look at the losses that they've had, um, grabbing a win in Lexington, I don't care who the quarterback is, would be massive. I mean, you asked about Kentucky's backup, Kiara. I mean, redshirt freshman from Kentucky, three-star prospect out of high school. Uh, was the 21st-ranked pro-style quarterback, you know, by, by 247 sports. Um, we don't know a lot about him, to be honest with you. And, and you going into a game like this, the kid hasn't played. Uh, he was a midterm enrollee in January of 2021. 
Like you're like, look, he's he's taking snaps. He's practice. He's probably most likely been running with the ones for the last three days in Lexington as Will Levis has been seen walking around in a boot uh, around town. It means he's not been on the practice field after talking with some folks and confirming that. Look, this is this is one of those tough spots for Kentucky where honestly, their season, they should have won the game last weekend against Ole Miss, but should have, would have, could have. Um, you lose this one to South Carolina, man, for a fan base that thought things were going like that and up that hill, talk about just taking, you know, the ride breaks down, you got to get off the ride and you got to walk back down to the entrance. That's kind of what it looks like for Kentucky football if they drop this game to South Carolina. And we all know Spencer Rattler and Shane Beamer can, you know, motivate a squad. So if they go to Lexington and grab a win, that's just huge for what South Carolina is trying to do, get back on track. And I don't care, I don't care who the quarterback is, and I will understand it. But but Kentucky still has Chris Rodriguez to hand that football off to. So they should be able to establish something on the ground. And I get the quarterback situation, but guys, we look around the SEC, there are a lot of teams dealing with quarterback situations right now, finding ways to win. So Saturday night, I don't care if Will Levis is a quarterback or not, they better find a way to beat South Carolina. Trey Wallace, you can read his work at outkick.com. Follow him on Twitter at Trey Wallace underscore and uh, catch him this weekend with coverage of Tennessee and LSU down in Baton Rouge. Uh, as well as uh, all the other games that uh, will produce great storylines. Trey, enjoy it, and we'll catch up with you next week. Get you some Cajun food. Trust me, I've already been offered by a tailgate party down here to start drinking at 3 o'clock in the afternoon with some uh, etouffee and some gumbo. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and get my reports done now. Thanks, Trey. There's Trey Wallace of Outkick.com coming up. Michael McHenry joins us in 15 minutes. We'll have Armando Salguero, who will join us in around 30 minutes. When we come back, we discuss the SMU uh, and uh, UCF game, which was important last night because of the four players that bolted, that asked out, that said, hey, we're not going to play more than four games of eligibility. It ties in with a column that Chad wrote at Outkick.com. We discuss it next with Outkick 360. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got a great preview of the Major League Baseball playoffs headed your way in nine minutes. Then the NFL weekend, we'll talk about all the big headlines with Armando Salguero. That is at 3.20, 4.20 Eastern this afternoon with Armando Salguero. Chad, let us know about the uh, the column uh, available at OutKick. And it, it's in regards to, and it ties into the game last night where UCF blew the doors off SMU. It's a rescheduled game because of the hurricane last week. And it also ties into the players who tapped out. They wanted out. They quit based on uh, whatever was going on behind the scenes after playing four games. Yeah, it's it's up at OutKick right now if you want to check it out. Uh, if you're watching, you can actually scan the QR code on your screen right now and, and read the full column. But the gist of it is this. 
I've been preaching throughout that there's going to be some really bad things that happen with an open transfer portal and with, with NIL. I, I think the spirit of both, it's right. It, I'm, not, I'm not proposing trying to go in reverse and trying to eliminate these things, but when you give 18 to 22-year-old people the keys to the Ferrari and say, go, go drive, they're going to do things to manipulate the system that's not going to be best for them in the long haul in some cases, and certainly not best for their, for their teams. Um, and this is one of them that we're witnessing at SMU right now. And the main point that I want to make is, I just want people to look at all sides of this. And whatever opinion you may have, I want more thoughtful opinion from media on it that just doesn't jump to, players have to get paid. Players have to have the ability to leave just like the coaches. Players must do this. Players must do that. I'm fine with that 90% of the time, but you see instances like this, and I don't like it. I, I simply don't. And call me old, call me whatever. Those players are quitting. They quit. They signed up to be on a team for this season, and they're quitting midseason. Now, is it right for what Steve Spurrier did? No. He quit on his team midseason also. Bobby Petrino quit on an NFL team midseason. Equally wrong, even worse as the head coach when you quit on something midseason. But let's not make excuses and just call these guys kids anymore. They're over 18 years old, and they're making the wrong decision here to quit on their team midseason, period, yeah. in my opinion. I, it was a well-done piece. I, I think we're all in agreement that um, it's just too wide open. and uh, They deserve more power, and they've gotten more power, but this is too much more power where they can undo a program in season, and that's not part of what comes with the yeah. scholarship element of it. Well, three of the four were big playmakers. It's <clears throat> intriguing because it's four and not one. And I immediately jumped to, they were promised something they didn't get from that coaching and staff. And or the four of them as a package are promised something elsewhere. But you To leave and keep you, that year of you eligibility. You can't leave now. You can keep your eligibility, but if you're, I mean, if you're... Thinking but money, you, you're taking the money now, and you're leaving yeah. after the season. Yes, they were not getting paid where they were. That's clear yeah, based I, on this. I think it's both. I think they weren't given something they were promised, and they've been offered or assured of something somewhere else where they're going to go, and that's why they're maintaining this year of eligibility by not playing anymore this season. The offer didn't stand there. Hey, That's keep clear. in mind quickly, too, SMU is one of the big NIL schools. Yes. They've got one yep. of the big collectives that's paying every player. So yep. maybe on to something with being offered Again. Uh, offered something and not given. Was it twenty five grand or something like that per Which player? Which is another pitfall of this situation. Michael McHenry joins us. We talk about the money that Aaron Judge is going to make. That's next. <laughs> 